0: Welcome to the pod. My name is Paige. And I'm Emily. And I'm a delicious succulent steak. And I'm a baked potato. And you're listening to Tuesday's Are for Twilight.
1: Welcome back into my presence. How does it feel?
0: (laughs) And more importantly, how do you feel?
1: A lot better now. Y'all, in case you missed it somehow, we were off last week because I got COVID on Sunday. The end of september i don't know what day that was i think it was like the 25th and so we couldn't record um so now i'm on day i think nine of covid feeling much better feeling more like myself but i literally was dead (laughs) it was not i would not recommend not that anyone's out there recommending covid but i certainly wouldn't recommend
0: what was your worst symptom
1: Probably the body aches. I literally felt like I got beat up. I heard bad things
0: about the body aches.
1: Yeah. It was my first time getting it, so I'm lucky in that I made it almost three years. No idea how I got it. I did give it to both Jacob and his mom, so that's great. But we're all on the mend, and it's all good now, so thank you for your patience. And, yeah. Now it's, like, kind of like, well, I don't have to be scared of it anymore because I know what it does.
0: Yeah. And I, when I had gotten it earlier in the year, I know people sent me, like, a bunch of kind messages about feeling better. And I saw on the Instagram a bunch of people sent you messages. Thank you guys for supporting us in our health. We appreciate it.
1: I know. That was so nice. Thank you.
0: It helped heal Emily physically.
1: (laughs) Truly. Every day, like we thought maybe because I got sick on Sunday, so we thought maybe we could record like Wednesday and every day I would text Paige and just be like, yeah, I've been awake for 27 minutes out of the last 24 hours. So it's going to be a no for me.
0: Yeah, I'm going to be honest to your face when you texted me on Tuesday that like, hey, we're going to put it off until tomorrow. I knew in my head we were not recording the next day. Like I didn't want to say anything. Like I was like I'll I'll let her keep her hope, but I am I will bet my life savings that we are not recording tomorrow.
1: <laughs>
0: well. Anyways, how have you been? I've been good. I I do want to say when you all are going to be listening to this and Emily, obviously this is live for you, but when the listeners are listening to this tomorrow I am taking my board exams for mortuary science. So basically like how it works, it, I'm, it's not that complicated. You get your degree in school. Um, usually it's an associate's degree, but you can get a bachelor's degree or even a master's. Um, but then there is the national board exam, which is basically like the big test that you take. Like it's like the the bar of mortuary science. Um, and You take that, and if you pass, you have it for the rest of your life, and then that's that. You know, it's just a big, huge test. School basically prepares you to take this test. So, I am taking that on the 12th, which, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, when this episode comes out, is tomorrow. So, please put some good vibes out there. I'm feeling positive. I'm a good test taker. I've been taking a lot of practice exams. I only have to get a 75% or higher, and I've been getting pretty much like 80s and above on all of my practice exams like very few have I gotten I think one of them I got a 74 but I like for the most part I'm passing well over what I need to um so I'm feeling good there are two tests there's the science and the arts the science is like embalming and restoration and body preparation and microbiology and pathology and anatomy and all that stuff. And then the arts is more like grief counseling and business and accounting and OSHA and what to do if you work at a crematory. And it's it's like the other aspect of the job. So I have the arts exam scheduled for eight o'clock in the morning. And then that's from eight to eleven, but of the two, the arts is by far way easier than the sciences. So I'm not worried about that one. And then I have the sciences scheduled, I want to say like either two to five or one to four, something like that. Um so yeah, Wednesday's gonna be a big day for me. It cost me $570, so that's also another thing. Um, but I'm feeling good. Just I'm requesting some positive thoughts out there for me. And I'll let you know. I'll post on my Instagram or on the Instagram how it, everything goes. I'll know that day. They basically like you hit submit and it tells you if you pass or not. So I'll let everyone know. I do love that instant like
1: knowledge of what what happened. And also good luck. We are all wishing you um, very good vibes, but you don't need luck. We know you got this. Also, I feel like you're a morning girly, like you actively get up early, even on your days off to get stuff done. So I feel like that when you said 8am, I was like, but I feel like it'll be fine for you.
0: It'll be fine. However, I have to take this test at a testing center and the testing center is in Denver, which is like, I haven't checked where in Denver, but like at a minimum, it's like an hour 15 for me. If it's more south of Denver, it's longer, obviously. Um, so I'll have to get up pretty early and they also say to get there 30 minutes ahead of time to like make sure you give yourself enough time to check in. So, yeah, it's going to be an early morning for me, but I've been like pretty much cranking, like I've been studying the sciences really, really hard because that was of the two, the one I was more worried about. So, I'm I'm feeling way more confident in the sciences now, so I don't think that I'm going to take th- the 3 hours for either exam. But you know, it'll be fine. And once it's over, everyone has the utmost confidence in me that I'm going to pass all of my bosses and like my professors, the chair of the department was like, I don't, I'm not worried about you. I'm also telling myself I'm not worried about you. Um, I've been taking a a science and an arts exam every day for like the past two weeks, just to practice. And There's this program that I've been using that is a tool for all mortuary science students that has the entire bank of past um, exam questions on it. So the board exam, there's like 10,000 questions and it will just pick 150 questions from this bank, basically. And so this program has all of the questions in the bank and then you can just make fake exams for yourself and... It shows you in each individual topic, like embalming, restorative arts, accounting, blah, 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 blah. It shows you how many questions are available in the bank of that subject. And then side by side, how many of those questions you've seen in your practicing. And for like, at least for embalming and restorative arts, which which are the two most tested subjects, I've seen all the questions at least once um, te- questions and answers at least once Um, there's a couple smaller sections that I've seen all the questions for. And there's obviously like a lot of like the same question, just worded different ways or like a math problem that just has different numbers. But if you know how to do the equation, then you're fine. Anyways, long story short, I am feeling confident and I I'm, I'm like 95% sure that I'm going to do a great job. But just put a good thought out there for me.
1: I know that's right. I also know you're going to hate this idea, but I have to put it out there anyways, because I would not be my parents' daughter if I didn't. You can stay with me the night before if you want. I know that probably isn't ideal for you because you wouldn't be sleeping in your own bed. And I know how much of a routine girly you are, but I'm just putting it out there.
0: It's an interesting concept because then we would have to record in person. Because it's going to be on Tuesday. True. I'll keep you posted.
1: Okay. Um, We have a couple announcements off the top. Paige, do you want to give the first one and then I'll give the second?
0: So the first one I'm especially excited about as a spooky binge So if you've been around since the beginning, you probably remember our Halloween special from, I think, like the first year that we did it, basically. Um, And so essentially in the special, we asked listeners for any spooky personal stories that you would be willing to share with us to have read on the pod. And we had a couple people write in. It was really spooky. Emily and I each shared a story ourselves, or we may have shared two. I don't really know, but... Um it was really fun spooky scary and I just thought it would be really fun this year to maybe try that again. So we are requesting if you have a spooky story to share with the class if you would like. You can send us your story uh real like if it's I mean it could be like a creepy pasta but you know if it's a personal story, hell yeah brother. Um, You can share those on Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter. Twitter might not be the best. Gmail, anything, any way you want to get us that story. And we're going to do just like a short, small reading of stories. And if Emily, if you want to share something, I I have a story in mind that I'll share. Um, Yeah. So we're asking that you send these in by the 18th, which is, you know, you have about a week. So if you got something spooky to share and you want it read, give us a, give us a ring.
1: Yeah, we would love a ton of stories to read. It's going to be just super informal. We're just going to read them and then put it on our podcast host. So it'll go out to all the places
0: so everyone can hear, but I'm excited. Yeah. We have obviously way more listeners now in the like seventh book that we've read. Um, and so, you know, oh. We have more people that are might be willing to share something spooky or more people out there who have experienced spooky things. So, you know, if, if you're another fan of the spookiness, send your stories.
1: Please do. Yeah, when we did this last time, it was like two months into us doing this podcast, so it was very new. Um, also, I have a cough drop in, so sorry about it. If you hear me making that gross noise that people make when they have cough drops in. But... Our second announcement is that we have a date and time set for our patrons and donors only viewing of Breaking Dawn part one. Um, Like we did with Eclipse, we are going to have everyone just find their way to get a copy of the movie. Either you can rent it on YouTube or if you have the DVDs and we will start exactly at 6 p.m. on October 25th, which is a Tuesday. So we won't be recording a regular episode that week. We'll be spending that night with our donors and patrons, and we'll be live chatting via Discord with everyone. So everyone that went last time is in um, already in the Discord server. We'll use that same one. So all of you don't have to do anything new. But if you're looking to join in and you haven't been before, you can either support us on Patreon, or you can donate to Move to Higher Ground, um, and we'll give you more details at the end of the episode on that. But I am very excited. Also, sub announcement. um, The week before that, we are doing a live reading of the chapter before the split of the movies. And we will be video recording that and uploading it to our Patreon um, only for patrons to see. That will be interesting if you want to see Paige's raw, unfiltered reaction. Unfortunately, that will just be for patrons only because we only can um, limit access. Like, Patreon doesn't let us, like, just randomly add people. There might be a way. Let me look into it. There might be a way. I haven't actually checked it out. But keep an eye out for that.
0: I I was telling Emily, because she told me about this earlier, and, you know, we've read a lot of... Just, like, you know, like, kind of twisty, like, fun, exciting, not even fun, just, like, kind of crazy things in the past. The the it, the kiss, you know, all that jazz. To have my live reaction, my brain is fuckling, fuckling. My brain is fucking rattling in my skull. Like, what the fuck is Stephanie gonna do to me? <laughs> I don't know. I'm very worried. <laughs> uh, no comment.
1: Um, But that's a great segue into what we're covering this week. So we read two chapters of Breaking Dawn. Oh, wait. I skipped recommendations corner. We'll hit that really quick and then we'll talk about Breaking Dawn. Um, So this is like old news because I went right before I got COVID. Um, But my recommendation is a singer. I went to see her show, which actually, listeners, get a load of this. Paige's sister was there and we both didn't know it until the next day which is a big bummer because I love Catherine I would have given her a big ass hug but um her name is Charlotte Sands that's the singer um if you're into like poppy kind of punky little Haley Williams little Michelle Branch right up your alley I'm telling you she's the best and I also got to meet her after the show And she was like literally one of the nicest people ever. Um, And I'm convinced that someday she's going to be huge. So write this down, people, and get into her now so that you can like
0: flex on your friends in a year when she's very famous. Did you see her at the Larimer Lounge? Yes. That venue, Tommy and I went to a show there and we also met the band. At Like that location is just perfect for like a small venue where the artists can, like, meet people and interact, and it's just super intimate, and I'm really glad that you got to, like, see her and meet her there, like, that's just such a fun experience.
1: Yeah, it was super cool, and that venue is also where I go to my Taylor Swift nights, so I just have positive associations with that venue in general. I will say their girls' bathroom is, like, completely shut down, so it's one bathroom for everyone, (laughs) and (laughs) it's, an experience, but you know what can you do? I
0: I will say I second the venue is just it's a great fun place. I I never used the bathrooms, so I can't speak on that. But when I met the band, it was an Australian f- folk band, and the singer, bless his heart, he is so handsome. Um, he we like were waiting to meet him, and. The like Tommy and I were just standing off to the side and w- waiting for a long time. And the drummer of the band walked up to us and he was like, "Are you are you waiting to waiting to talk to Matt?" And we were like, "Yeah, we are." And he was like, "Hey, Matt, can you like finish this conversation up? We have two really nice people waiting to talk to you right now." And so he like got the singer to come over to us. And so he gave Tommy a hug and then he went to give me a hug. And he like went to kiss my cheek and like I panicked and like like went in for like a side hug and he was like oh I'm so sorry like I forget that Americans don't do the like the kiss on the cheek like that's not a way that people greet each other and I was like I mean you can kiss me if you want I didn't I didn't know about that I I didn't know I'm sorry And he was like no you kiss me so I got to kiss his cheek it was it was incredible it was amazing it was just so sweet
1: That is so cute. That's iconic. Yeah, because afterwards we were like, so the opener, who Paige's sister took pictures with, she was in the front of the venue after both shows had ended. And she she had said like when she was performing, like, hey, come see me. I'll be out there. So we were like, okay, we'll just like wait. Because she was cool too. So me and Jacob were like, we'll just wait until there's like less of a line and like it all clears out. So we were literally sitting on the stage and then there's like a behind the stage there's like a back patio and so I was like Jacob just go like see if Charlotte Sands is back there or like if there's a big line or like if there's security or what and he comes back and he's like it's literally just her and her friends hanging out like her drummer and her bassist are just like hanging out so we just went back
0: there it was so cool that just 10 out of 10 great experiences there
1: Love it, and they they make their drinks nice and strong. So couldn't recommend it enough. If anyone lives in Denver, check out that place. Hell yeah. Okay, you're up.
0: Well, mine is like not as <laughs> definitely not as interesting. <laughs> mine is the graphic t shirt section of Hot Topic. I I'm sorry, but like every time I go to Hot Topic, I find a graphic tee. I am a graphic tee gory. it might be because of my hyperhidrosis that affected my view of myself growing up um, going through puberty and graphic tees were the only thing that I didn't look sweaty in i am um, they're just fun and Hot Topic always has the the hottest topics on their graphic tees I just got a Yu-Gi-Oh Hot Topic t-shirt do you understand how meaningful that is to me I just, I have like 10 different Hot Topic t-shirts. I got TV shows. I got bands. I got, there's, they had my, one of my favorite podcasts. They had their t-shirt stuff. I went, I heard they had a mummy release, Brendan Fraser stuff. You know, like I just, I love, Hot Topic is, there's some cringe, but I got to say the graphic tees, 10 out of 10.
1: I love that. I don't think that's dumb at all. You know who else has great ones that I will recommend for you? Zoomies, they're a little more expensive, but they do have great graphic tees. And also, this year's Spirit Halloween is doing graphic tees, and you would fucking love them, Paige. They're all like, you know, like on old board games like Candyland, there would be like children, like the same kind of cartoons of children. Oh my god, she's running away. She ran away. Please hold. You mean like this? that's yes it's exactly those they had like a bunch of those um to describe for the listeners it says activities for children it looks like a board game on the shirt but instead it's it says let's summon demons and it's a small it's a crowd of small children and they are doing like a seance basically (laughs) they had that but like five different or not even five like eight different versions of that
0: i love that if if you like this style, you should look into Wicked Clothes. That's where I ordered this t-shirt from. They have all kinds of crazy fun stuff. I love them.
1: That's an online store? Yes. Okay, I'm legit going to look at it later today. All right, well, that was Recommendations Corner, so now we can talk about chapter 15 and 16 of Breaking Dawn. TikTok, tock tick-tock, tick-tock, and also too much information alert. What do you think of these chapters?
0: was a lot going on in these chapters, I got to say. Um, tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. We find out that Bella is, in fact, about to pop. She is going, like, two weeks a day, basically, in growth, which the stretch marks this girlie must be getting is probably insane. Um, but basically, she says, you know, that she's about four, about, like, 30 weeks along, something like that, 32 weeks along. Um, So Jacob does the math, she's gonna be popping in like four days, which to him means she's gonna die in four days, which tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. But then the chapter ends in kind of like a horrifying cliffhanger, which I'm like, what? What? What is gonna happen? Is this what my reaction is gonna be? Freaking Jacob, like... Biting open her placenta? What the fuck is that? I don't know. I don't know. We're gonna see. I feel amniotic sac, not placenta. Um, all gross though. It doesn't get any better. Um, so that was a little, a little horrifying, a little terrifying. In the second chapter, um, too much information. We find out some like interesting information about Leah, which I didn't really see coming. Um, we'll get more in in depth into that a little later, but it, like, weirdly still put me in the mindset that, like, maybe she's gonna end up with Jacob, because, like, things clearly have not been working out with Jacob and Bella. Obviously, Bella's married. Um, and Leah has this point to say, like, no one's imprinting on me, like, I wanna be with you, like, not be with you, but, like, I wanna join your pack, like, I don't know, it just, like, really, to me, feels like Stephanie might be, like, setting us up for that, and sure, they haven't imprinted on each other, but to have that conversation, I don't know, it just, like, it feels like perhaps we might be careening down that path. I don't know if you felt that way when you read it at all, or I I don't know, it just, like, it was weird for me that that it keeps kind of getting brought up like a little bit between them and they're both so beautiful. And I don't know, I could just see them being together. And then I think we have to address the most important part of this chapter, perhaps the whole book. I have been waiting, waiting for this moment since the start of at least Breaking Dawn. I don't know when I realized I had this realization, but I've been thinking about this for a while. So at the end of this chapter, we find out Bella's perspective baby names. If it's a boy and if it's a girl. If it's a boy, she wants to name it EJ for Edward Jr. or whatever. Um, no? Yes? <laughs> yes, I was just
1: shaking my head in disbelief. Sorry.
0: Oh, okay, okay. Um... And then if it's a girl, she wants to name her Renezme, which is a combination of Renee and Esme. Now, long ago, like before we even started the podcast, we had like a little thing. It was me, you and Remy. Um, we just had like a little gathering kind of a thing um on Zoom. And you mentioned the name because we had decided we were gonna do the podcast, but we hadn't started. And you said the name Renezme, and it did not mean anything to me. It meant absolutely nothing to me. I heard the name and I was like, weird name. Haven't heard that name before. Whatever. Flew right over my head. Then, I don't know, maybe like in New Moon, like I remembered that. I had a memory of that. And I was like, Renesmee, Renee, Esme. It's a combination of their two moms. Why is that name? Why why is that a person? And I've mentioned before that like I knew Bella had a child, but I couldn't really remember the details of it, and then it just clicked to me that like perhaps this is Bella's baby's name. I don't know what else it would be. Like we haven't been introduced this character yet and like the the stars align for that. So Anyways, we finally get to Renesmee, the name showing up in the book, and I can finally say what I've been thinking since I had this realization. Why was Charlie not a name consideration for the boys? Because if Renesmee is the option for the girls, what about a Charlie Carlisle combination situation? Combination a charlisle that would be incredible and that's all I'm gonna say
1: I can't respond to that because it does come to fruition in a in a sort of way so I'm gonna leave it where it's at I am really surprised that you were not spoiled on the name because it is like one of the biggest jokes of the fandom like People will go out of their way to call her anything but that. (laughs) They will literally call her Rigatoni is my personal favorite.
0: (laughs) It's giving, we are in a panini right now in this parabola. I feel like that
1: joke was inspired by Twilight fans doing this shit.
0: (laughs) Rigatoni walked so parabola could run. Exactly. Exactly.
1: Oh, but that's all I'm going to say on names right now, because we're not there yet. Um, What was I going to say about what else you had to say? I don't understand why you think Jacob's going to rip out Bella's placenta. I'm confused on that.
0: I He's talking about, like, this baby is covered in this, like, this sack that is impervious to the, the technology or whatever. And the very end of the chapter, he's talking about like, like what is going to break the sack open. And it's kind of insinuated that maybe like Rosalie is going to like rip her open, like rip her stomach open. But he makes a point to say, where will things can, can rip apart a vampire. I don't know. It just like, like, why would you say that if it wasn't important,
1: you know? That makes total sense now. I thought you were talking about the end of the second chapter when Edward gives Jacob some car keys, and I was like, I'm not following. I'm not following.
0: No, 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 no. End of the first chapter.
1: Okay. All right.
0: Which, also, since you're bringing that up, the second chapter, actually, other than the Jacob stuff, it kind of ended in a sweet way. I don't know. I feel like Edward has just been so, like, rightfully so upset and in his head about this whole situation and like Bella's been enjoying this pregnancy as much as she could I mean she was dying but like she held a positive attitude for at least what we know and has been since and Edward has kind of just been like stoic and unresponsive and I don't know just to see like a little bit of joy in him and, like, a little bit of maybe perhaps excitement that, like, this is my baby. This is our baby. I don't know. It was just kind of really nice.
1: I agree. Like, I feel like this has been so moody, down in the dumps since Bella got pregnant. And it's like, we'll take any crumbs of levity that we can get.
0: My... (laughs) My old roommate, Lydie sent me a TikTok where it was like when I read Breaking Dawn and it shows them like flipping the page from the Bella section to the Jacob section and then it zooms out and they take a big chunk of papers and completely skip the entire Jacob section and move to the first chapter of the next section.
1: (laughs) That's so funny. I wanted to ask you about your process too because now that I'm more on TikTok... I'm like when you see a twilight TikTok what do you do? Do you scroll past?
0: I try and gauge what the content is from like the first 3 seconds. If it's questionable, I just skip it. If it's like I'll I'll give it some time and tell am like I don't know if I should I if I should stay or not. Like I just sent you one recently where it was like my reactions to the Twilight Men first movie only. And it's like, okay, yes, I can stay for this one. Like, if it's very clear in the beginning that it's fine, I'll stick around. If it's questionable, I'll usually skip when I either can't gauge it in time or, like, it's very clear that I shouldn't watch it.
1: Okay.
0: You're playing a dangerous game, girlie. It's getting more and more dangerous the more I engage.
1: Exactly. That's what I'm saying it's like, they know you're into it now. Attempted to put a TikTok ban on you for the next two weeks.
0: <laughs> it will not work. <laughs> okay, well,
1: anything Twilight-related, I feel like you should scroll past until... If we get through the next two readings, then you can do whatever you want. I don't care.
0: Okay, I'll skip. Anything Anything remotely Twilight-related, I'll skip. I'm sorry to that one creator. You know who I'm talking about, the girly who does the Jasper impressions. <laughs>
1: she's so funny um also you would tell me if you are spoiled on something right you wouldn't fake it
0: I mean I told you about the baby I think like I feel like I mentioned that like pretty early on I feel like yes but you wouldn't fake not knowing something else I don't even know what else I would know
1: (laughs) (laughs) that tells me everything I need to know okay so let's jump into this content So there's a little bit of a time jump from the last chapter to this chapter. Um, Jacob's just been controlling, controlling. Jacob's just been patrolling and he's been staying up for a while. He lets Seth sleep in, um, you know, longer than they had agreed to because he's just doing fine. So then him and Seth get to talking and they have this whole conversation mentally, but it's a conversation for them. And several things get brought up. First of all, Seth just mentions in passing, like, Carla's been buying blood. Did you know you can buy blood? Which I'm like, no, I
0: didn't know that. And why? I, when I read that, I mean, perhaps it's fully real. Like, I didn't really question, like, the the realness of it. In my head, the first thing I thought was, like, you can probably buy blood if you have the money for it. Like, there's probably no questions asked if you have enough money. Like, that's, I'm guessing. I feel like it'd have to be on the dark web, though. Oh, yeah, they have nothing to fucking lose. They're probably on the dark web.
1: That's true. That's true. Um, so the main thing that comes out of this conversation is Jacob has this realization of, like, oh, the colon should have just, like, left. Like, why are we doing this? Um, But he's like scared to say it because he doesn't want Ella to leave. And it turns out Seth already had that idea and he had brought it up to Carlisle and they're just like, no, we can't move her. Like it's, she's too fragile. And also we have like access to literally the x-ray machine upstairs, which I'm like, that seems like a bit of a stretch because I feel like they could break into anything they wanted to ever after that um, hospital scene that they staged and like the hotel thing that they staged in Midnight Sun. Do you remember that?
0: Oh yeah. I am picturing, okay, picture this. You work for Penske. I don't know. I don't know a moving company and you've been hired by this family. You've not met this family. They've, no one is around. You've been asked to move all their furniture to a new location, perhaps somewhere in Alaska. And you walk into this absolute mansion of a building in the middle of the woods and you go upstairs, there's blood everywhere and an X-ray machine and an MRI machine and a hospital bed and IV bags hanging and like empty cup with a straw with blood stained on it. What are you thinking? What's going on in your mind?
1: I do feel like they'd clean up before they left.
0: I don't know. This baby is about to punch its way out of Bella's gut. So this might be a a quick move.
1: That's true. That's true. So they've ruled it out already, which Jacob is secretly very relieved by. And then the subject of Charlie comes up. I got to hear what you think about this. So Bella's been talking to Charlie because long story short, she is going to try to keep him in her life. Post vampirism. She wants to get control over her blood lust and then see him as her vampire self and just have him guess wrong about what kind of creature that she is so that they can hang out forever until Charlie dies because Bella's going to be immortal at that point.
0: I do got to say, it's not the worst idea. It's definitely not the worst idea anyone in these books has ever had. The bars on the floor. For that, I'm just saying, continue. Like, who is not to say that there aren't hundreds, if not thousands, of families out there in the United States that are, they have relationships with each other exclusively over the phone, exclusively over FaceTime. You know, people are restricted with traveling, maybe don't have the finances to travel to see their families, but you know, talk with their mom, their dad on the phone every week. I think that you could stage, I've seen enough catfish to know that you can stage things talking on camera to make you look a little different. I'm, I think that this, this aspect of continuing a relationship with technology, I think is very smart. I think that that's great. The other part, the other part where it's like, we'll just see what Charlie thinks and go from there. I don't know. Like, I feel like you would look so different. Like, all of the people who are alive right now looking at the Collins, are just like, wow, they are beautiful. They are so much better looking than everyone else I've known. But if you personally know the person and Watch them grow up, even if it's through photos or just short visits, you know what they look like very personally, and suddenly you look like the Collins look? I don't know. I feel like that would be an absolute mindfuck. I just don't know how believable or workable or feasible this idea of Bella's is. Now, perhaps it could work with Charlie just letting him figure something out and going with it but he's like an investigator so i don't know he probably has a mind built for perhaps critical thinking who knows um i just the first part of the idea i'm fine with the second part of the idea i'm not so sure about
1: that's fair i just i don't know the whole thing with not telling charlie was, like, to keep him safe from the Volturi, because no humans are allowed to know. And I'm like, listen, you're playing with fire, girlie. You're gonna get burned.
0: I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I kind of didn't even, I kind of forgot about the Volturi for, from the past, like, several chapters. They have been far from my fucking brain. I just always thought that they were ending the relationship for his safety, For Bella being a newborn, I thought that perhaps they would try and rekindle things a couple years down the road. And so in my brain, I was like, oh, like talking on the phone and FaceTiming, like that's a really great idea, actually. Like it allows for contact without physical contact, you know. I forgot about the Volturi side of things. That's completely different.
1: Yeah. They live rent-free in my
0: brain. So I will say though if you are like us and you're just living in a world where supernatural beings aren't real, it would be so hard to formulate that any of this could be real from absolutely like nothing. Like just like, Oh, well maybe like this, like maybe this family of extremely beautiful people are actually supernatural beings. Like, I don't know. I, I, I could see perhaps they could get away with it if they played their cards right. I don't know,
1: because I'd argue that Charlie's not working with nothing. Because, if you remember, his literal daughter didn't have that much to go off of. She knew that Edward had super strength because of the van on ice crash thing. Charlie knows that Edward has never eaten in front of him, so he's got that data point. And also, Bella literally just Googled... Some shit and figured it out. So I don't know. He doesn't have as much as Bella had to go off of, but he doesn't have nothing.
0: It's fair. It is fair. I, in my head, I kind of imagine that Charlie is not as smart as Bella. I, I, I know that's that might not be everyone's opinion, but I don't know. He just he reminds me a lot of the dad in Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, and I. That's not important, but I just, I don't know. I kind of just think of him as, like, a lumbering man, and that's it. It's interesting.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I always just think about, like, how Edward described his thoughts as being, like, very interesting because they were, like, really abstract, which I don't think is necessarily, like, synonymous with unintelligent. I think it's just different. Maybe intelligent in its own way.
0: I... Didn't consider that. I was just thinking, I was just, I, I equate in my head Charlie as just a handsome dad who is just trying his best.
1: That's fair. You were like, how can I work Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs into this?
0: That's, I mean, that's my thought for a lot of things. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs is my runner-up recommendations corner. That movie, excellent. Excellent film. Still stands up. I've never seen it. Is it Disney? No, it's, like, Sony animation. It is very good.
1: Okay, I'll
0: have to track it down. Thank you. It's very, like, weird kid culture. Like Coraline? Not that kind of weird kid. Like, I don't even know. I don't even know. Like, it's, like, the type of humor... Did you ever watch, um there was a very recent movie that came out, which also is going to actually supersede my um, Hot Topic t-shirt recommendations corner. Um, It was a Netflix original movie called Mitchell's versus the machines. And it starred um, Abby from Broad City. She was the main character. Um, It's an animated, like a digitally animated movie that movie and cloudy with a chance of meatballs have very similar vibes just from different um, points of time in history. Same, like, uh, comedy style. That movie had me rolling on the floor laughing in the first, like, eight seconds of the movie. That movie is 100% excellent. Really, really, I'm, I'm standing by this really good movie. And it's also hilarious. I'm, that movie, you gotta watch it. It's so good. And if you like that kind of style of humor, you'd probably like Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs as well. Write that down, folks. She told you what to do. Report back. If Of the three things I've recommended, Mitchell's versus the Machines is number one. That one is insanely good.
1: This is why you can't think of things for Recommendations Corner, because you do three in one.
0: There's just a lot of things that I like.
1: That's fair. That's good. That's a good way to live. I do kind of want to get back to the book, though. Of course. Of course. <laughs> okay. So after Seth and Jacob talk for a bit, Jacob goes back to the house to hang out and warm up Bella. I'm like, just like turn up the heat and then turn on the AC. It just doesn't seem like this whole charade is necessary.
0: It's really not. You guys are like billionaires. You can afford like a portable heater or a big portable heater. Who knows?
1: Yeah, I think, like, the wolves are the only thing that would help.
0: It's, it's Sometimes the vampires do things where it's, like, they've been so far removed from living as humans, where it's, like, have you seen that Tumblr post where it's, like, imagine going to Hogwarts, but, like, in this century and bringing, like, a fucking ballpoint pen, and it shocks everyone of this crazy technology that exists, and it's, like, yeah, no, this is, like, a normal, normal thing that exists in the muggle world. Like, I, sometimes I feel, like, There are so many simple solutions to their problems. So true. (laughs) Okay.
1: So, Jacob is hungry, so Alice instructs Rosalie to get him something to eat. This whole thing is just sigh, because it's pretty racist what she does end up doing. She basically makes him a dog bowl. And serves him steak and baked potato out of that, which he is like, well, the food's delicious. I don't really give a fuck. Um, We've talked before about the problematic nature of the vampires calling the werewolves dogs, especially because they're people of color, the werewolves. Um, So we don't really need to go over that again. But yeah.
0: I will say um, this part was unbelievable for me. I'm going to read the little section. There was a lot of banging in the kitchen, and, weirdly, the sound of metal protesting as it was abused. Edward sighed again, but smiled just a little, too. Then, Rosalie was back before I could think much more about it. With a pleased smirk, she set a silver bowl on the floor next to me. Enjoy, mongrel. It had once probably been a a mixing bowl, but she'd bent the bowl back on itself until it was shaped almost exactly like a dog dish. I had to—I—where did she talk about? Blah, 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 blah. That part's not important. Because the food looked pretty good. Steak, no less. And a big baked potato with all the fixings. How did Rosalie make a steak dinner and a baked potato in the amount of time that Jacob describes as like, before I could even think too much about it, she was back. It's like, a baked potato takes like 30 minutes to cook. What the fuck?
1: I was interpreting it as like, Esme as or someone cooked up a bunch of food for the wolves. Like all at once. And like so it's just like in the fridge.
0: Oh. Well, I I was picturing that she like made this meal and I was like, How did you do this in forty five seconds?
1: Yeah, that would make no sense. <laughs> she does microwaves, raw meat.
0: A baked potato with like tin foil on it, and it causes the microwave to explode.
1: <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so then Jacob and Bella have this conversation about you know what Paige already mentioned with how fast she's progressing in her pregnancy and how basically there's four days left and I don't know why but this section like really drove home for me the idea that like I'm so glad that we don't have to be in Bella's head for this because I just feel like it'd be a miserable time
0: yeah like I feel like she's probably doing it anything in her head to distract herself from the reality of the situation which is terrifying yeah and
1: we also know that she like will put on a front for anyone so she's like putting on a front for everyone of like no I'm great but internally she's probably like
0: what the fuck and also the physical pain like pregnancy regular normal pregnancy I can't speak on any kind of personal experience but from the collective experience of being a woman and knowing about pregnancy is not comfortable, let alone a supernatural strong vampire baby. She's in so much pain. She's not really getting like the support that we've seen in the past from Edward. And it's like, especially from a partner of this, a parental partner of this baby you would think that maybe he was doing he would do a little bit more to be maybe a little more supportive or excited or happy or to just try and help but he's just been not that at least from what we've seen and i don't know i just it would be i i would not want to know her thoughts on her personal thoughts on everything that's going on like everything that she's not saying out loud she would say to herself and It is bleak what it is.
1: Yeah. Yeah, agreed. And also, I just don't want to, like, have the secondhand experience of growing a baby in, like, ten days. Because that's fucking bonkers.
0: Yeah, I'm not interested. There is a scene in an episode of X-Files where there's, like, this alien pregnancy thing. And they hook a machine up to someone's stomach. And it's obviously, like, like a special effects or like a prop kind of a thing, but it shows a woman, it's probably like a mannequin or something. And the stomach goes from flat to like nine months pregnant while attached to this machine. And it's absolutely terrifying. And I feel like that's what this is.
1: <laughs> okay, British Page.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's got me bloody chuffed. Okay. <laughs>
1: okay. So Jacob then asks Bella why she even wants him around, because he's in a bad mood all the time. And she says that, like, she considers him family, and so her life feels complete when he's there. And Jacob's not thrilled by this, understandably. But before they can really talk about it further, Bella just falls asleep, which is a mood.
0: Honestly, yeah, I'm like... (laughs) immediately in the middle of a serious conversation like I'm out bye
1: I literally the first time Jacob and I ever got into a fight it was like over a year ago but it was late at night and I was stressed out and we were already in bed and I was like my brain just was like I can't deal with this right now so I literally fell asleep it did not land well no (laughs) okay so, with Bella asleep, they start talking about these myths and the research that they've been able to do of, like, South American myths, which we remember Quare clearly had a sense of what was going on when they were in Brazil. What do you think about all of this? Like, the whole, the creature must be killed immediately before it get, could gain too much strength. Um, you know, like... I guess yeah. Just what are your thoughts on that?
0: I can see the validity in. I'm I'm assuming the research that they've done is like perhaps ancient writing account ancient accounts. I guess if not, not probably not super recent accounts. I can't see vampires doing this in today's day and age, and if you're in a society where there are no vampires around and there's one gal with a vampire baby, yeah, the only tools that regular humans have would be to kill the baby as soon as possible before it gets too powerful. Because like, what else are they going to do? Like they had, they don't have the support of an entire vampire family, a family of, learned, experienced vampires to be like, here's what we should do about this. We have the strength to control this. We know what's going on. We know what this baby probably is feeling or experiencing. Let's go from there. So, I'm not I'm not, like, upset or crazy. Like, I don't think that it's crazy that this was like, just regular humans line of thought for this, because what else were they to do, basically? Um. I will say, though, that this section for me was very clouded by Rosalie's very hateful and derogatory and I'm going to say racist kind of rant about, like, I guess, I don't know, people who are not living in modern society giving birth. Very fucked up. And also, like, so far from the truth, like, I hate to break it to everyone, but humans with uteruses have been giving birth since we have been humans with uteruses. And that's been for, like, hundreds of not hundreds of thousands of years. Modern birthing practices, modern technology has only been around for, like, a hundred ish years like what do you think women were doing in the 1400s what do you think women were, women were doing in the 1100s what do you think women were doing in the 1700s like like we have been around for a long time beca- for for a reason and like it's it's just so fucked up i modern birthing practices are so misogynistic and centered around male doctors and making it easy for doctors and not the women. And it's the reason why there's like high mother mortality rates, because like it's not focused on the health and safety of the mother. It's focused on the comfort of the doctors, which originated from misogynistic ethnocentric racism, this, that, and the other. All I'm saying is this whole tirade that Rosalie goes on on page 303 is not true at all, and women know what they're doing, whether we have modern technology or not.
1: Fully agree with everything you just said. Also, we've talked about this before, but the concept of, like, quote-unquote western or like basically white people like not being gross and not like spreading disease or having not uh medically sound ways of doing things is insane typhoid mary i just want to say okay like come on now and i mean i know she was just one but like white people are disgusting we've talked about this we have talked about this already and, yeah, I don't think we need to read anything that Rosalie says. It's, once again, Stephanie Meyer, like, being gross through a character that she wants everyone to dislike. Um, but it's, like, you're saying, like, no one had to say that. You just put it in.
0: And it's it's just also troubling, like, to, like, put this concept and notion for millions of young readers to read. Like, there are there are way better ways of giving birth, let me say, than laying on your back in a fucking sterile hospital room.
1: Great. So, Jacob gets mad at what Rosalie says. Not because of the reasons we've talked about, but because she has no concern for Bella at all in her statement. So... He picks up his food and throws it at her, and she's mad because it gets food into her hair. I do gotta say, I laughed that Alice laughed. Like, I thought that was the funny part of it. <laughs> I was like, Alice, be fucking savage.
0: Like, it, it makes me wonder, do do these people like Rosalie? Like, do her family members like her? I'm sure they like her, but it's like, don't you have people in your
1: life that it's like, yeah, you needed that? Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so I don't know. I that's a relationship we really don't get to witness much of Alice and Rosalie, but separate. But I also want to note, um, Edward makes the point that he, that Jacob hasn't seen Jasper or Emmett because they're the ones doing the research, and I'm like, Emmett, himbo? <laughs> you put Emmett on the. T-
0: Oh my God. I'm picturing (laughs) Emmett is holding a book sideways like this, like up and down with the pages flipping. And he's like, huh, no pictures. (laughs) Literally.
1: Oh my God. No wonder we're not getting anywhere.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Emmett's like, maybe the baby is a mermaid jasper's like at his
1: wits end <laughs> oh my lord okay that's pretty much the end of the chapter although it does kind of end a little bit cliffhangery, as Paige mentioned with jacob just musing internally about how they're gonna get deliver the baby how they're gonna get it out of this rock hard amniotic sack
0: I I have been predicting for weeks that this birth is going to be trauma. And we are just inching closer to one of the most traumatic experiences of my young life.
1: You have been predicting that for weeks. So I'll give you that. Okay, so in the next chapter, there's basically two acts of this chapter. It's Jacob and Leah talking and then Jacob going back to talk with the Collins more so at the risk of making this a three-hour episode (laughs) um i'll just hit the highlights but i know you kind of already said what you thought about like you were surprised to learn all this stuff about leah but is it like do you see where she's coming from slash do you agree with her before you jump in i will just say for context like Basically, Leah says that she understands why Rosalie is acting the way that she is, because Leah is unable to menstruate, because she's a werewolf, and so she thinks that she's a genetic dead end, like, she'll never, that combined with the fact that no one has imprinted on her, makes her think that, like, there's something wrong with her physically, she, she thinks she'll never be able to have children, and so she, she empathizes with Rosalie in that way, because Rosalie can also not have children. Proceed, page.
0: I definitely saw where she was coming from I obviously it's not something that I have necessarily experienced but I can see the the absolute heartbreak and desperation in in like real life of seeing mothers families who desperately want to start a family of their own and are battling through infertility and you know that is something that we've we collectively as humans like experience here and now supernatural not being a thing you know so seeing seeing this hurt seeing Leah explore this hurt that Rosalie might be feeling and saying that she empathizes with that and like her own experiences of that you know, I can definitely see the validity in the statements. I don't know if Leah is necessarily saying like, this is something I've always wanted. And now I'm never gonna have it because of this, the wolf, the the whole wolf thing. But you know, when it's taken away from you, and it's basically like, this will never happen for you, you realize like, well what if i did want it what if i what if i haven't explored that part and i did want it now i don't even have the option for it and that's devastating so like not only was this topic very surprising for me but it was like also like damn that fucking sucks like she didn't ask for this wolf thing and now also this infertility question mark thing and then also the fact like topple that on to your long-term love has imprinted on someone else and you have to read his thoughts and no one is, is imprinting on you. It's all, it's just one thing after another. So my heart really, really went out for her in this.
1: Yeah, me too. Especially because I, I forget whose theory it is. Sam's maybe, um, the theory around imprinting is that like it happens to breed stronger wolves in the next generation and so she's like if I'm a wolf and Sam's a wolf like that doesn't make sense because we would have a strong wolf child and so I just wanted to add that layer of context but I also I feel so complicated about this I want to find I know actually know where I have it saved but there's that article that I mentioned a while back that compares Bella and Rosalie and Leah and I like that she's been g- being given this depth because she's been so like, just like caricatured so far in the book as like the mean girl, and I like that she's getting this. I don't like that it's pushing like the women must be mother's agenda that Stephanie really has an issue with in my opinion, but ultimately, where she lands is what I wanted to point out, and i I really agreed with that, so let me find. Okay, so this is at the top of page 320. I know it jumped a lot, but Leah says, or Jacob says, you would kill for that, meaning like kill for a baby, basically. And Leah says, that's not what she's doing. I think it's more like she's living vicariously. And if Bella asked me to help her with this, even though I don't think much of her, I'd probably do the same. Because if it was turned around, I'd want Bella to do that for me. And so would Rosalie. We'd both do it her way. That, to me, is, like, it made it better for me because she's like, it's Bella's choice. Like, if it was me in that situation, I would want someone to do that for me.
0: Yeah, and I think she really hits the nail on the head with the vicariously thing. Like, no, I don't think that Rosalie is actively acting to harm Bella. Like, that is her That is her motivation for doing all this. I 100% think that she's living vicariously through Bella. I, my, my brain immediately thinks that she was a young gal at a time where this was like expected of women and a lot of women probably wanted and dreamed of this as their future and Rosalie I mean even talked about like that you know having a family and just like having the having this perfect life and perfect family was like her dream you know and so I'm not enti- I'm not surprised at all that she's living vicariously through Bella, like this is something that she probably has wanted to do her entire life, and you know now she kind of has an opportunity to at least feel a little bit of that, and you know if the roles were reversed, she would want Bella to do the same, and bringing Leah in likewise her if that makes sense,
1: yeah. Yeah, I wanted to point that out, too, of, like, what Rosalie has shared about her own backstory of, like, how much she wanted a family and how both her life and her chance at that was taken as a result of a crime. And she's so affected by her best friend's little boy. She pictures having her own. She's so affected by him that he that little child is the reason she ends up saving Emmett. Like, she doesn't fall in love with Emmett at first sight. Like, she doesn't imprint on him and choose to save him for that. Like, she falls in love with him later. She saves him because he reminds her of, like, that child that she saw literally one time.
0: Yeah. It's, you know, there are some people out there in the world that, like, that's what they want in life. Like, a family forming relationships with people that you are bonded, like, you're kin with. You know, like, that is that is some people's dream. And that's, I mean, that is Rosalie's dream is to like, have this loving big family that's connected, successful, you know, I, I I don't knock her for that. Like, even though it's not what I want for myself, like, like, it's totally valid that that's was a dream of hers. And something that like, now that she has A chance to maybe live a little bit of that wants to grasp as much of that as she can and like if she can't be the one being physically pregnant then she's going to support and be there for the person that is
1: totally yeah I was just gonna say that too like to be clear like I'm not saying that it's wrong to want to be a mother like that's totally within the gamut of a choice that a woman should be able to make for herself um and I just I my point was just that like I feel like there's an agenda being pushed outside of that that you have to, which obviously it's interesting because there's like this push and play of like the concept of choice, which is like obviously a lot of people who are anti-abortion are anti the idea of a woman being able to choose what she does. And this is like very, I mean, Bella's choosing what she wants to do. And so it, it's just, there's an interesting like push and play of that. I don't really know what point I'm trying to make, but yeah. yeah.
0: I, I mean, it's interesting, like just the concept of choice as a whole in the entirety of this series that like Bella is really turning the tides on vampirism in that aspect specifically. Like there are very, very few people that I that have been mentioned through this entire series that like have any kind of choice in this matter and everyone that Bella has interacted with that knows that she's choosing this like can't really seem to fathom that that's her choice and like comparatively with the Cullens no one had the choice to choose to be vampires so to like I mean I know this isn't the point that you're making at all, but just, like, choice in general is such an interesting concept that's, like, throughout the entire series.
1: No, yeah, that's a great point to add on to it, too. This is, like, there's just a lot, It's there's a lot of layers here. So I'll hopefully find that article and send it to you, but for now. The other thing that Jacob and Leah talk about is that she wants to stay part of his quote-unquote pack. Basically, they're both going off the assumption that Bella's about to die. So then Jacob will take off and just, like, be in the woods and be depressed. And Leah wants to, like, basically stay under his authority as, like— Because she has to—she can't not turn into a vampire. She doesn't—she's not at that stage yet where she has that control. A vampire? Sorry, a werewolf. (laughs) Thank you. Um, and so she'd rather be under Jacob's authority than go back with Sam, which I don't blame her. Jacob doesn't really decide if that's, like, he seems, like, open to it, but then he gets mad about this whole conversation that we've already had. Because as a man, he does not understand what Leah's, the point Leah's trying to make about, like, choice, and fertility and all of that, so he gets really mad and transforms back to a human when she has this conversation with him.
0: I I think it's also, like, a lot of these chapters have a double meaning in their names, that this chapter is like, that was way too much information, which, like, mostly probably applies to the what's about to transpire with Edward and Bella that Jacob is around to see, but also probably applies to this scene with with Leah and her talking about all of this and it's like you could have a little bit of sympathy for you know your sister in this who is experiencing you know like something kind of hard and for you to be like that was too much information I didn't need. I don't we don't need to talk about that it's like it it's not gonna hurt you at all to be like damn that fucking sucks dude I'm sorry like I will never have to experience that I can't imagine what you're feeling
1: exactly like it costs zero dollars and zero cents to do that and this whole reaction to because they had found out earlier that this she was having this problem when she first became a werewolf and his whole reaction is just like ew gross cringe get away and it's like grow up grow up be fucking for real literally (sighs) so jacob transforms back to a human goes to see the colons again and we enter act two of this chapter. Um, Just briefly, a bunch of the colons leave to hunt because they're like literally desperate (laughs) and they sprint out the door. Me when I want a cheeseburger.
0: (laughs) I mean, when 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 the time calls, I mean, you can't control it sometimes.
1: Exactly. (sighs) Okay, so they're all just sitting there. And then out of the blue, Edward was like, what was that? And everybody's like, what? What What are you talking about? And he realizes that he can hear the baby's thoughts. And as soon as Bella realizes this, my note for this, not the sanctified crow again. (laughs) Because this bitch once again says, holy crow. (laughs) Give it a rest.
0: It is a nice callback. It is nice. No,
1: it's not. It should have never existed in the
0: first place i'm I'm surprised you're so anti crow. It's just don't use
1: crow as an as a swear word. She should be saying like "Holy shit."
0: You're right, you're right, but this baby loves the sound of her voice, so she she has to be very careful about what she says.
1: I guess. I guess. That was sarcasm, in case you guys didn't pick up on that. Uh, so, they're just having this lovely moment, Edward and Bella are, um, because it's clear to Edward that the baby cares about Bella and cares about him, like, has some level of, like, awareness of who each of them are, which is creepy as fuck, but whatever. Um and then they discuss names, which we already covered in depth. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, am I missing anything? I know I'm gonna talk about what happens at the
0: end, but. I do have one one thing that it might be a little TMI, but it just like, it really interested me. It To me, it was like, why was this put in? So I did a little research. Um so when Jacob comes into this scene Bella is upstairs basically getting another x-ray and he's talking with Alice and he's like did she break another rib and she's like her her pubic bone i think like her or not her pubic bone her pelvis and i and and then they come downstairs Rosalie's like see i told you i didn't hear a crack which to me Says that someone heard a crack, probably Edward, and we're like, okay, let's go take an X-ray. Now, this really interested me because the pelvis, specifically for people with uteruses who are built to give birth, birth, the pelvis is specifically designed for this, and. I was pretty sure that something happens to the pelvis like in preparation to actually giving birth. And so I did a little bit of research. And so there's this thing called the pubic symphysis, which is a piece of cartilage that connects the two halves of your pelvis, like kind of right in the middle. And then the pelvis, if you can imagine, has like a big hole in the middle, which for birth giving is where the baby, pa- the head passes through. So basically the pubic symphysis alters itself. It gets a little more flexible. It kind of like, it allows for movement for the baby to be able to move around and also be able to navigate through the, the birth canal and the hole in the bone. And I'm pretty sure like if you're, if anyone is a fan of true crime, if you've ever heard of like when they find, remains and they're looking at the bones to try and figure out who this person was. They'll look at the pelvis to see, was it a man or was it a woman? And then from the pelvis, they can also discern if the person has given birth or not. And I'm fairly positive it's the pubic symphysis that shows that because it physically changes itself. And when it does that, it can create a cracking or a popping sound. And so when I read that, I was like, Bella is like pre-fucking labor right now. She is so close to blowing this baby out. I am sure of it. Because why would it be included if it wasn't important?
1: That's super interesting. Thank you for doing that research. And much to contemplate much to contemplate. I never thought twice about it, tbh, when I read it the first time. I was like, "Nah, moving on. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so at the very end of this chapter, Jacob has a fucking meltdown tm. I'll just read it. It's easier. In that moment, I knew that I was all alone, all alone. Oh, sorry, page 327 at the bottom. I wanted to kick myself when I realized how much I'd been counting on that loathsome vampire. How stupid. As if you could ever trust a leech. Of course he would betray me in the end. I'd counted on him to be on my side. I'd counted on him to suffer more than I suffered. And most of all, I'd counted on him to hate that revolting thing killing Bella more than I hated it. I'd trusted him with that. Yet now they were together, the two of them bent over the budding, invisible monster with their eyes lit up like a happy family and I was all alone with my hatred and the pain that was so bad it was, like, being tortured. To me, it seems like an outsized reaction, but that's editorializing.
0: I, this is so emo. He is so dramatic.
1: Yeah, literally the next sentence is about, like, how he's being dragged slowly across a bed of razor blades. I'm like, okay.
0: I I'm just thinking, because tonight will be the night that I will fall for you. Just, I'm just like, I'm just picturing him in the rain with his like hair dripping down his face. i so emo.
1: Spot on, spot on, dude. <laughs> um, Edward obviously overhears his thoughts of this torment he's going through and inexplicably hands him some car keys. And that's where the chapter ends.
0: So I have no idea what's to come.
1: Well, this is the time when you have to say what your ideas are of what's to come. I'm sure you already saw the name of the next chapter. I will read it out loud. I didn't even write it this time because it's too fucking long. Chapter 17. That's all we're reading. We are just reading chapter 17 for next week. What do I look like? The Wizard of Oz? You need a brain? You need a heart? Go ahead. Take mine. Take everything I have.
0: I feel like, I'm just trying to think where Jacob is going to drive to. And perhaps he's going to go see his dad. It would be nice for him to maybe, like, get some advice from Billy. Um, Maybe he's going to go to the pack, the other pack, and maybe talk with his friends. Or maybe arrange to meet his friends. I don't know. I I feel like this is going to be hardcore heavy edge like he is gonna be in his feels like clearly this chapter title is so dramatic like he is just having his heartstrings pulled he's gonna need some advice some introspectivity so I don't know I feel like he's gonna talk with people that he's close with okay I like it
1: we've reached the end this episode has felt like four days long I don't know why (laughs) I feel like we talked for a long time today.
0: I had a lot of tangents.
1: I'm sorry. Oh, uh, no, I love the tangents. That's what makes our show. Um. So I'll real quick hit socials. And as we mentioned at the beginning, if you want to be in on the stuff that patrons and donors have access to, which includes us watching Breaking Dawn as a group, part one, and also viewing Paige's live reaction to chapter 18 of Breaking Dawn, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Tuesdays for Twilight. You can do that for as little as one dollar, and it won't even charge you till November first. So, you know, you don't have to you don't have to give much if you want to be in on that. We try to make it really accessible for people. But if you can only give to one thing, we definitely want you to support the Quileutes and their efforts to move their cultural land to higher ground. Um, so any proof of donation also gets you in to any of our events as well. You could just like send a DM us a receipt or whatever. And their website is mthg.org. And then we want those spooky stories. We will take them on any of our socials. Like Paige said, Twitter might be kind of hard to do, but you can DM it, I guess. Um, but we are on Instagram and Tumblr at Tuesdays tuesdaysr for twilight We are on Twitter at TaftPod. And we would also gladly take them by email at tuesdaysr twilight at gmail.com. That reminds me, we got two emails that I will just very briefly go over. We got a reply from Sky, which was so nice, um, to our long email that we sent her back. So thank you, Sky. We love you. We also got an email from Boyfriend of the Pod, Jacob, who did some research on Henrietta Lacks. And it was actually, like, really insightful. It was, like, a month ago now, it feels like. But I'll just read, uh, like, a quote or two from that. Um, If you if y'all recall, we were talking about Henrietta Lacks in the context of Carlyle just doing whatever medical experiments with Jacob's blood that he wanted to, which is not okay. So he directed us to um, the article, which is published by John Hopkins itself, which is the medical authority that treated Henrietta Lacks and continues to treat Henrietta Lacks so wrongly. But I'm just going to read this last paragraph of the email because I feel like it really sums it up. I would urge you to read the whole thing if you have a minute because it is hilariously disturbing how rosy the rose-colored glasses they've got on are. They could have just paid Google to just show a big yellow banner that just says, Hi, it's us, John Hopkins Hospital. We're really sorry that we fucked up this shit with this black woman 70 years ago, but please don't hold this against us. We're still a good hospital, we promise. And it would have accomplished basically the same thing. It's essentially the medical equivalent of the Native Americans were all happy to see Columbus and they all sat down and had a feast together or something like that. Thank you for that research, Jacob. Really hammering home how fucked up that situation was. At the risk of going even longer, you can send us anything you want, spooky story or not, on any of those channels.
0: And Paige, what do you got for him? This is going to be short, sweet, and to the point. It is fall time. And so if you see the crouchious leaf, you see a leaf on the ground, do not hesitate to crunch it. I know that's right.
1: <laughs> we will see you all next week for Chapter 17 of Breaking Dawn. Bye. Bye.
0: Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at Danimal Six and that's six the word, not six the number, Danimal Six underscore on Instagram.